Hello, everyone. This is August, uh, July 20th, and we, this is Worlds of Books. I am Mickey Pran, uh, the facilitator in the absence of Vicki Pran. Uh, the day's book is um, A Winter's Tale by Nathaniel Benchley. Uh, information on Nathaniel Benchley. He is the son of Robert Benchley, who, as any English... Oh, I started a minute early. Oh, well. Any English person, English um, student will know, was part of the Algonquin Roundtable in the 20s and 30s. He was known as a great wit through until his death in 1945. He was a columnist. He had his son, Nathaniel, who uh, pretty much took after his father in that he uh, he was born in 1915, um, wrote a lot of children's books, is in Massachusetts, um, wrote some books for uh, adults as well. Um, he, he was um, uh, very, well, one of the books he wrote uh, was, uh, ended up being the movie The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, which someone might have seen, I didn't. Um, and there were quite a few books that he that you would would recognize. Bard does not have them, however. Then came his son Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws and a few other things. And the interesting thing about these guys, which is probably not even germane, was they were, I think, all sixty-six when they died. And that's a little strange. Peter Benchley died in 2005. Um, I'd like to hear what people thought of the book. I, I picked it because it was something that uh, was written in a style that we don't see much of anymore. And it was, I thought, utterly charming. It was just um, um, a fun book that you don't, read that much of so I thought it would be a, a, a welcome change but if you don't agree with me let me know I thought it was cute charming an easy summer read I wasn't going to like it when it started but Kermit Murdoch was one of my favorite readers an old time radio actor terrific reader and I thank you for selecting the book if you want to go into depth, you know, we can do that. You, you'll ask the appropriate, appropriate questions. Sorry I'm in my patio and you heard a bang, but that's okay. I thought this book was just delightful. Um, I loved the dialogue. I just thought it was so clever. And I wondered at the time if he wasn't um, Robert Benchley's son, um, you know, because the name isn't that unusual. And yet, I, like you said, I didn't see very many other books on Bard. Um, and I, you know, even if it was, you might say, a little bit contrived, it was so fun. And I, of course, loved the end of the book. So I felt that this book, the way it was written, could actually have been a play itself. Did anyone else feel that way? You could The dialogue carried so well that with very few changes, they could have made a play of this story. I uh, really liked the book. I... Uh uh, enjoyed many years ago the play uh, You Can't Take It With You. I, 
<laughs> the, the characters in, in that play were just uh, the whole family was so goofy and uh and everyone but uh uh it was a curious idea uh to uh, have these um uh, folk in this little town pull it off and uh, uh i i thought it was fun i thought the book was charming i thoroughly enjoyed it uh I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't realize that Nathaniel Benchley was Peter Benchley's dad. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, uh, I had uh, the thing I really liked about this is because I remember being in the seventh grade. I went to a a combined junior high and high school. We went from seventh to twelfth grade. And of course, I you know I had seen plays in elementary school like like we all do. And uh, but I remember kind of fallen in love with the theater when there was a performance uh, at my high school, the high school put on where I was going and it was they can't take it with you and uh, uh, I had it kind of had a, uh, a, a throwback to, to earlier times uh, with that being the subject of the, the this book but I, I just really liked the way he, he went in and it was a small town and a lot of people that they were kind of down on themselves, and he used this this whole production to kind of bring folks together, just the re- regular average guys, to try to give them something to to be proud about and to to put on. And I really liked the way the whole cast came together, and uh, through through one trial after another, they kept they kept rising to the occasion. And I just the characters were really really delightful, and I thought the writing was good, and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks for recommending it. Uh, this Don, I really like. This story, usually when I hear the word charming, I run the other way, but uh, this was very well written, as Sal said, and uh, uh, I didn't realize this was a different Benchley than had written Jaws, so I guess uh, that's what I remember about names. Well, oh, what can I say? I absolutely loved, loved, loved this book. Oh, my gosh. And... I just, I didn't want it to end. I just didn't want it to end. It was so, yeah, I'll say charming. And so, oh, it was so, I mean, at the end, I wanted to just say, oh, that's so good. I'm glad that he's staying. Oh, it was, and each of the characters uh, was so well drawn. And, well, I always was a Robert Benchley fan, and um, Robert Benchley, I read as many books of his that I could get, as I remember it, many with short, um, funny essays and articles and stuff, and it's interesting to read um, Robert Benchley because he wrote maybe some of the stuff was written around 1915, 1920, and he talks about offices and about people answering the telephones, and and um, there, there was one little essay that he wrote about um, spending a, being a weekend guest in somebody's home, and that was a riot. And Nathaniel really inherited his father's wit his father's ability to write, um, and all this good stuff. And Robert Benchley 
was on the radio in the 40s. And, Bob, I don't know if you ever heard any of Robert Benchley's things, but he did a lot of different things. I think he was on the show Behind the Mic a few times and um, different things that he did that were so, so funny. Um, and I guess Nathaniel wrote a biography of his father. And, uh, oh, I was just enchanted with this book. I absolutely loved it. And Kermit Murdoch's reading, they just don't read like they used to read. I've got to say that he just put so much into his reading. And, of course, you know, I attribute that to being a good, a wonderful, super, super radio actor. And Kermit Murdoch was. I think that um, one of the things I liked about it, too, was Kermit Murdoch. Of course, it was so good to hear him again. Did anyone besides me think he might have wanted some symbolism in the name of the um, the director? You know, it, he sort of reminded me of Fletcher Markle, if you guys ever heard of him. Well, it's not the, his last name was, uh, it was Dennis Pastor. And it, it seemed, I was wondering if he, if it, it wasn't supposed to be a hint to us that he would kind of manage the, the whole show. Of course, you got to recognize that I read it twice within a month because I wanted to uh, remember what I'd read. But I, I, I was wondering if um, if he meant it that way or if it just happened um, or if anybody else spotted anything that I didn't. That's a very interesting um, illusion, I think, you know, because he kind of did pastor all the people and get them um, kind of uh, to pay attention to him, and despite everything else, they would listen to him. They would take heed as to what he said, so uh, yeah, maybe he was uh, supposed to be their shepherd or something. Oh, and then uh, I thought it was spelled like uh, Louis Pasteur, the, uh, the scientist maybe, but uh, I wasn't sure. But uh, I wondered about that connection, too, as well. But I love the character's name, Titty Jones. Sorry uh, about uh, the juvenile dip there, but I just thought that was funny the way they... He, 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 he really did a good job presenting a, a real funny cast of characters from the town and stuff. And uh, I, 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 really, I really like it when they do stuff like that, when they kind of... Uh, there's nothing like small-town uh, characters for, for something like this. Although... Where was this actually set? I missed, you know, once I got into it, I never went back to, I know it was on some island, and it seemed like it was fairly close to Boston, but uh, I, I missed where the locale actually was supposed to be set. I don't think it was ever really stated. It was just uh, alluded to. Um, and I loved Charlie. I mean, he's, you know, uh, he, he was one of the characters that uh, always made you smile as soon as he started you know, came on the scene. And I, I agree with you, Jill, that that would have made a play. Um, and I loved You Can't Take It With You. Um, it, it just, it just um, struck me so strongly as something that you don't see much of these days. Um, 
there were it was just uh, so well done and just and not long and not not taxing but i think he had a few things in there that i probably didn't spot because i'm trying to be entertained not looking for symbolism i'm out of school um but i do think that there were some things that i probably missed but he did i think want the pastor idea in there the pastoral um connection and everyone listened to him because he found just the right thing to say to encourage, except for people um, who he didn't want to encourage. Um, and I'll shut up now. I have neither read nor seen. You can't take it with you. And if any of you know where it's available, I would love to read it. Uh, it isn't on Bard. I do know that. I admit, I haven't tried Bookshare but if any of you can tell me where you read it, if you if you did, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, this is Don. I I thought the pastor character, for a has been child actor, he sure had a lot of leadership. You know, people did, as you say, people did listen to him, and he knew what to say and what to do, and he had knew when to be rough and uh, be nice. So I I think uh, it was kind of an incongruous character. Well. Um, you Can't Take It With You was also done as a Lux Radio Theater. Um, and it was done extremely well. It was just wonderful, starring uh, Edward Arnold. And, Bob, do you have that, that you could send possibly send it to Jill? I love that. that I think that's one of the best um, Lux radio theaters that we've ever done because um, I don't know if I ever saw the movie or not. I'm just trying to think where you could find it, but um, Baba Costa, I don't want to put you on the spot, but would you possibly be able to find it and send it to Jill? Yeah, Joni, you took the words out of my mouth. I was uh, thinking that Lux did do that, and um, I saw a live performance and years ago, and I can't even remember uh, what company it was, but uh, and I'm sure that other radio uh, uh, groups did it. Uh, I don't know if the Theater Guild ever did it, uh, but uh, it's, it's one of those plays that uh, would lend itself to radio production anyway. And uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I know. I'm pretty sure I remember Lux Theater having done it. And I've heard it several times. You could hear it over and over and over and not get tired of it. It's there's something about that, um, the play. Georges Kaufman and Moss Hart wrote it, and they were so good. They just were wonderful playwrights, and for um, Nathaniel Benchley to use this play as the vehicle for the the townspeople. I just think I'm just thrilled with it. I really, really loved it. And I didn't know if I was going to like it either. I just kind of I've been having problems with books lately, and now all of a sudden I'm in a, a thing of reading really good stuff. So I'm a lot happier. 
When I looked at it, I thought, no, I'm really not going to like this, but I'm going to look at it and see what it's like. And it, it, it caught me. And the more I read, the more I liked it. And, and then I was telling Bob different parts about it, and, which is not a good thing to do about a book. But I figured as long as I was telling him, I had to spread the word. You hit the jackpot with this choice, Nikki. It really, I think all of us, I haven't heard a, a negative thought or word since we started. Does anyone have any negatives? I know some of it obviously was contrived. It had to be. But um, do you have any negative comments to make about the book? I don't have any negatives, but was it the, the woman that hired uh, Dennis Pastor, uh, I think her name was Ms. Warren, maybe? Uh, I thought they kind of danced around a little bit at her exposure to the theater and that she had tried to do some writing and stuff, but I, I kind of felt that that uh, that I would have liked to have heard a little bit more. I mean, because uh, uh, the, the reader was told a little bit about her, but but, you, but none of the, I mean, Pastor never found out about it unless I missed something. Well, I think she didn't really want people to know much about her because she was basically, she just couldn't, she just was rejected all the way. She thought she was such a good writer and um, of course she wouldn't want people to know that she was rejected constantly so she just uh, kept things very mysterious about herself and um, and was able to pull things off by doing that. I think you're right Joni. I think that everyone has a few things you would not want the rest of the world to know, and I think that that was one of them for her. She had been rejected. Uh, she thought she was good. She thought they weren't making wise choices, but she um, she kept on trucking. She she um, was kept her interest in the theater and thought she knew more about the theater than anyone. And and um, Pastor had a really fight to get his way, but he did it. I have to agree with Jill, too. I think it would be a neat play. Uh, another idea of a play within a play, such as uh, Cole Porter and uh, what they did with uh, uh, Taming of the Shrew um, and uh, Kiss Me Kate. Um, that that <laughs> that was such a, a clever, uh, a clever play within a play, I thought, and this one would probably do something similar, I'm sure. Well, we've all gotten quiet early. Um, does anyone have anything else to say, or shall we hit the idea of what are we going to read next month? And keep in mind that September is, um, at this point, is Blake Crouch, so we should read some Blake Crouch books before, I mean, you know, everybody should have some good questions for him so that we don't uh, uh, have him come for nothing. You know, we gotta, we got to put him to work. Hey, he's just a puppy. I think he was born in 1978. So I've never read A Winter's Tale by William Shakespeare. Did, did he come up with the name of this uh, as a nod toward that in any way? Anybody more familiar with, with Shakespeare than, than I am? There's no comparison, you know, it's just just the name. Well, there's another book called The Winter's Tale, but it was written, I think, in 19... 
oh, I don't know, 81 or 83, and, um, and I think it came out again, and I can't remember the author, but I read it, it was a hand-copied Braille book, I got it from Jewish Braille Institute, and I loved it. Do I remember exactly what it was about? No, not really, but I just loved it, and, um, so I, and I can't think of the author's name, but possibly it will be appearing on Bookshare because it came out again, and you never know what you're going to find on Bookshare. But it didn't have anything to do with Nathaniel Benchley because he wrote this in 1964, I think. Okay, we seem to have run down. <clears throat> um, we can always discuss until the cows come home, but... Uh, I have the list of books that we have chosen that that the group um, decided to do. Just a second. Let me ask a quick question. Did Joni, did you say this was published in 1964? Because Barr didn't have it listed, and that's usually one of the pieces of information I try to capture uh, in my book's read list. 63. 63? 1963? Yes, sir. Danka. Yeah, I guess it was read by Kermit Murdoch in 64. Also, Jill, if you're really interested in listening to You Can't Take It With You, um, come into our um, radio out of the past that we have on Thursday nights, and I'll ask um, one of the uh, people there if somebody could possibly play it and try to let you know when it's going to be on. Um, they have their plans for the next few weeks, I think, but um, if you bear with me, and Bob Acosta, I don't know if Bob's listening or not. Bob, listen up, even though you don't have, you don't run radio out of the, the past anymore, but maybe somebody could find it and play it. Maybe John or Larry Gassman can. I bet that they can put their fingers right on it. Is that on Accessible World? It's Radio Out of the Past um, dot org, and it's the same thing as Accessible World. But you look and see where it says the Fred Bertelson Room, and you click on that, and it's Thursday night from about um, seven. Well, it starts really at 8, but we get in there around 7.45 or so, and it goes from, uh, we talk about old-time radio, and then we listen to shows from 8.30 to 9.30. And that Lux was an hour show. Um, I can always, uh, I can always talk to John Gassman. I think he plays next week, and maybe he can play it for you. Next question. Do you guys want to continue? We're trying to do a fiction uh, one month and a nonfiction the next. Do you want to continue with that, or do you want another fiction, or what is your uh, desire? Well, I like some nonfiction, but, <clears throat> but I love fiction. I guess it really depends on what the nonfiction is. Okay. Well, why don't I tell you what we have, and... Um, Tommy Dorsey, Living in a Great Big World by um, Peter Levinson. I don't have any numbers on this yet because I didn't know what anybody would want. Um, 
My Life in and Out of Show Business by Dick Van Dyke. Um, the Mighty and the Almighty, I don't know if anybody wants to read by Madeline Albright. A Redbird, oh, that's fiction. Um, Natural Woman, Carol King. My Nine Lives, Leon Fleischer. And I am reading a, a totally delightful biography of Carol Channing, or a autobiography of Carol Channing, uh, memoirs. And she's, she's a goofy lady. She's very funny. Um, and there's also one on Marlon Brando. So that's my list of non-fictions for you, and if you don't like any of them, we'll go to the fiction. Oh, the Carol Channing. I think she's alive, isn't she? She is 93 years old. That sounds good to me. I've always liked her a lot. I just don't like reading movie stars very much. I, uh, Madeline Albright's a so-so book. But, uh... I'm really not into movie stars either, to say the truth. Well, I like movie star uh Biographies, autobiographies, memoirs. Uh, uh, I'd I like the Carol Channing or the. I just got through reading the Carol King one, and uh, of course I like Dick Van Dyke. And I'm getting ready to put a link in the uh, the text box to where I found you can't take it with you, uh, and there's a there's a download link and it starts playing it. So I don't know if it's the whole thing or what, but I'll put it up in the uh, chat box. Oh, cool. Yeah, thank you, Alan. Um, well, what about the Tommy Dorsey if people don't like movie stars? I, if I know who the movie star is, I do like it. I loved Kurt Douglas's one. See, what, what, I'm, what I'm seeing is that we're almost two different groups. Like, a couple of people didn't know Michael J. Fox, and then the, the uh, biography didn't mean much to them. I suspect that... Younger people would say Tommy who? Um, Dick Van what? You know, uh, it, it's really hard to pick something that people would know and recognize if they want a biography. And, uh, and there wasn't an indication of biography that, that people wanted. Of course, we're open to any suggestions you want to make. Oh, I'm not getting any response. I think I'll just suck my thumb or something. Um, do you guys want to do that, what, the, the Channing, or do you want to check out the fiction that was recommended? Um, none of it looks, I well, I'll tell you what fiction was. Um, the Three Wise Men by Kathleen Shine. Um... Um, 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 The Cleaner by Brett Battles, which I would like. Um, A Christmas book, we'll wait on that. The Devil Wears Prada. And that's it. Well, I love The Devil Wears Prada. I just thought that book was so good. The sequel, well, it was pretty good, but not as good as I'm sorry, Joni, I didn't hear you. What did you love? Sorry, I don't think I was talking right into my mic. I love The Devil Wears Prada. 
I read the uh, sequel too. Um, it was it was pretty good, but it seemed like she sort of wrote that so that she would sell more books. But the Devil Wears Prada was I found to be very very good. I'm fine with the Devil Wears Prada too. The movie was excellent, and. I apologize for what I put up in the thing. It's Misfits Audio Production is what it says on that, that link that I posted for You Can't Take It With You. But uh, when I did click on it, it does start playing, so maybe you can listen to the uh, production. Okay, just to keep things going, I will, uh, I, I think, what it, what, how about The Devil Wears Prada? Um, it's a, a non, I mean, a fiction. Well, it's a, true crime actually no it isn't it's a fiction um and it is summertime when reading is light and you know fluffy and we have to prepare for um uh blake crouch and i he's got three or four books on on bookshare and he's got some on on um bard and uh and Bob's laughing because he's going, hey, I'm not going to read that much. No way. <laughs> and he, he says, and they're all on Audible. <laughs> um, so we have some work to do. So let's do The Devil Has Prada, uh, uh, Devil Wears Prada. And do you know the author offhand? Weisberger, W-E-I-S-B-E-R-G-E-R, Lauren, Reading Time. 13 hours, 35 minutes, read by Martha Harmon Pardee, I think who's read every title in the Hell in Us collection, DB number 56233, 56233, humor, human relations, bestsellers. Oh, my hero. Okay, um, I think we got it, and I will um, pass it on to Vicki, and she'll send a a notification to um, Bob. And uh, our next meeting will be the 16th of August, which is the third Sunday. And we can talk until we want to stop. But the meeting is officially closed. Thanks all for joining. That was a good read, and it was a fun discussion. <laughs>